Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Coach Greg McNeil, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, Healing Community, Healing Business. Where truth meets BS, Coach. Oh, yes. You're Gandalf, right? (laughs) You're Gandalf. I'm Yoda. (laughs) You cannot pass. (laughs) You cannot. No. It's not. It's a no BS zone here, Coach. That's right. That's for sure. So, speaking of BS, you know, here we have, um, you know, successful business, you with helping people uh, as a, a licensed you know, counselor. What's your official title? There's all these letters, so it gets me confused. I know. So it's licensed professional clinical counselor. That's a long scrabble phrase that basically says I diagnose and treat and those types of things to help people to become much better at fulfilling the dreams that they want in their lives. And that's my uh, primary means of service. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, a kettlebell coach. You're my kettlebell coach, and you bring that ability to get inside the head of people, mm-hmm. uh, even to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Me, layman, you know, I do mentoring, things like that, business consulting. But, you know, in our work with people, whether it's individuals or businesses, you know, we see things that we just thought would be a good idea to have a podcast and eliminate people's ability to make excuses, mm-hmm. uh, eliminate, eliminate people's defenses, which their primary defense is throwing up all the reasons they can't achieve what they want. A measure of success in lots of areas, right? Yes. But there's always those habitual things mm-hmm. that keep coming up, whether it's relational, whether it's personal goals that they have, or it's business. It's all, like you say, integrated. You cannot escape yourself in business. You may think you can, but you can't. You can't escape yourself in play and recreation and your business go under. Like it all has to be integrated. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And and we obviously are out of Clovis and we are, you know, we, we want to bring Clovis to a level because I love this city. I've been here since 1989. But everything that we talk about can be applied to any community any business absolutely absolutely I mean success is a universal experience so is failure huh exactly and they're both guided by the same principles Mm -hmm. yeah you always say (laughs) you always succeed absolutely failure is actually a success it is Uh, and people think oh well yeah because it helps you succeed no 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 you get what your dominant thoughts are exactly and um and sometimes that can be a little bit difficult for people to handle um like a farmer they're not ready to accept their harvest but Mm. they planted the seeds of their outcome with their thinking or what you call your mental brew. So until the person is really focused on changing um, the way that they think about things, the way that they behave and how they deal with other people, they will continue to experience uh, one of two outcomes, but they are both a success. We get what we're thinking about most of the time. and. It's unfortunate that a lot of people tend to still be surprised by that, you know. Yeah, and I think sometimes what can surprise us, Coach, is sometimes we don't know where things came from. Mm, good point. Uh, like, you know, my mental brew, I, I distinctly remember being in the bedroom of my best friend in Odessa, Texas, down the street from Bowie Junior High School. And I was, I believe, eight she was six. I might have been nine at that time. And 
you know, my childhood was one of a lot of uh, what I call transformational change if you embrace it. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I didn't have the tools, you know, to do so, where that's change that's imposed upon you. Right. You know, so as little kids, you got tons of change imposed upon you. Mm -hmm. And I was a warrior. And I remember worrying all the time to the point where I couldn't sleep. Uh, I always felt nauseous to my stomach. And my friend's name was Azure. And I was sitting on the edge of her bed, and she had one of those, like, um, like metal beds, you know, that had the end, like, you know, you dangle your feet off of it. And I was right. just kicking my feet. Mm-hmm. And we weren't even talking about things that bothered us, you know. And when I look back, I think, man, that's really sad that as an 8-year-old, I was trying to figure out how not to worry. I remember that. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, parents try the best they can. Mm-hmm. Some are narcissistic psychopaths that shouldn't have kids, but mine wasn't. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I remember dangling my feet off the edge of that uh, at the end of her bed and thinking, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm. It's making me miserable. Mm. And I stopped. And it doesn't mean that later maybe it didn't try to revisit its, mm-hmm. you know, revisit me. Uh, I slammed the door in its face. Uh, there are times it kind of whispers or sends me a text message, you know, mm-hmm. worry, like you need to worry about this, worry about that. But I was able to get tools later to help me with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a person of faith, that helped me a lot too. Yep, yep. Uh, actually, let me put it, faith applied, not faith that's passive. In other words, Ooh, good one. I took the things that would help me. <laughs> And I activated them because faith is a seed as well. That's right. It's a verb. It is. It is a verb. And so I was very active. I'm, I'm very active in any change. But I remember having to do that as a kid. But the point of that story was I didn't know where that anxiety came from. I couldn't articulate mm-hmm. the things that occurred and had happened to me mm-hmm. that led me to feeling anxious all the time. But what stuck out to me, Coach, was I made a decision. I wasn't going to do it. And so I told my friend, I said, I'm not going to worry anymore. And it was funny because we weren't talking about that or nothing. We are just hanging out in her room. And she's like, okay. Because she's six, right? She has probably has no idea what that is. I shouldn't have known what it was either at the age of eight. But the power of choice was very interesting. Yeah. But I first had to be aware of the mental brew. I had a mental brew. Mm-hmm. So define mental brew for us. Well, I would say that it is the collection of thought, thinking patterns that we have. Um, that are connected to emotional states. Okay. That would produce some behavior. Or in, feeling? Yes, in our environment. So when I think about mental brew, it doesn't always have to be something that is negative, but right. it is certainly something that's going to come from the individual and interact with their environment. It always comes out, doesn't it? It always comes out. So, and every sphere of life is going to be affected by that mental brew your business relationships, your professional relationships, your internal relationships to yourself, the choices that you make in the work that you have, the type of partners that you select for yourself, how you even view yourself in terms of what you think your worthiness is, is also a part of your brew. And depending on the relationship that we have to ourselves is going to be reflected in our external environments, you know. Are you harmonious in the workplace or are you angry and, you know, stressed out most of the time? Um, Peevish, if you will, easily irritated. 
Um, conversely, are you a happy person? Are you positive mostly? Do you find that people enjoy having you around them? Mm -hmm. Do you notice that you are always the beneficiary of some opportunity? That too would um, come from what we call our mental brew. You know, what you think is what you get, right? It's really that simple. And uh, I yeah. want to I want to come back to the workplace one okay. a little bit. I wrote down that phrase: people, "Do people enjoy being around you?" Because oh, I, yeah. I want to get back to that one. Okay. So mental brew. What I hear you saying is, <clears throat> it's an internal state of thoughts emo that Im that impact you emotionally. They can be good or bad. Yep. Uh, and they can impact things outside of you. Like it always comes out, again, good or bad. That's right. I like to think of a mental brew as an undercurrent. Yes. And that tells me that it's in the subconscious. Yep. So I guess you could say they're scripts, right? Mm-hmm. They're like the record player. I remember when I was a kid, you know, mm -hmm. definitely dating myself. Uh, I remember... You're still younger than me, though. <laughs> maybe, yeah. But I remember being a, a teenager. No, I was probably about 11 or 12, and I found my dad's old set of 45s. Okay. Had a record player. Like, my very first, you know, music thing was Madonna, Like a Virgin, big record player, right? Oh, wow. And I would listen to that. <laughs> and then Bon Jovi and all, you know. But I found his 45s, Nights in White Satin. Uh, the monkeys, mm. things like that. But sometimes that record would get stuck, and it was very irritating because it was messing with my vibe. You know, I was <laughs> having a good time, and then all of a sudden it's stuck, and it's stuck. And you have to go nudge it a little bit, and it makes that irritating sound. That scratching sound. Don't you think the subconscious is like that? It's like mm. you, you get stuck, and it, it's a repetitive thought. And then sometimes you have people like me and you, Coach, that come along and just kind of nudge a little bit, and it's irritating to have those people where truth meets BS. Yes, yes. But also life events can be that annoying thing that's trying to nudge you out of that repetitive pattern. Can you talk a little bit about, like, the subconscious and what that might look like? Yeah, so let me just uh, return to the nudging you beyond the um, repetitive pattern because I think that's a great starting point. <clears throat> so... One of the things that we've conditioned ourselves to accept is that some negative or I would say unfortunate or unpleasant outcome in our environment, that that's always a bad thing. Right. But it's not. It is a reflection of what we have going on internally, right? That is now we're made aware of it in our external environment. That would be the work of the subconscious. What we have in terms of a script is always played out in the reality of our lives. That theater then is going to be our home, our workplace, our, you know, our individual selves. And so if for instance a person goes to his or her workplace and they walk in one day and they're just not very happy but what they don't realize is that the people in their workplace have always been saying, it's like, you know, is this person ever going to come to work in a better mood? It's like, golly, they just bring down the whole office. So this one particular day then, the person goes in, they're still moody, angry, not really harmonious with people. And on this day, 
more than one person tell them, it's like, you know, you need to really change your attitude. Your attitude is really bringing down the workplace. And now all of a sudden a person is shocked, like somebody just hit them with a cold bucket of water or a slap on the face, and they don't know what to do. Now they want to run out, they feel bad, and they feel like maybe I need to leave this town, I need to quit this job. But what they don't realize is they were given an opportunity to examine their mental brew or the rhythmic thoughts that they think that play out in their environment. You said something when we taught on this subject for the chamber. You said something that stuck with me. You said your scripts need to mentor you. They do. You need to touch those deep places. They do. You know, so if I go with this example, so whatever the script is that would cause a person to go into their workplace and then be told that they're not harmonious, that they bring down productivity because they have a bad behavior. Well, now the person is angry. They're hurt. So their first reaction then is probably to say something or to take some type of action. But if the person was to really just sit down and think about what they just heard, you're not harmonious. You don't get along well with others. You decrease productivity because you have people thinking thoughts that they really shouldn't be thinking about when it comes to the workplace because they're trying to navigate getting around this unpopular and negative person. Yeah. Well, when you sit down and you think about it and you say, oh, wow, that kind of hurt me that somebody would say that to me. Now your script is in front of your face. Yes. It gets a chance to teach you at this point. What is the cause of this behavior that I'm displaying that other people no longer want from me? Yeah. Right? Why am I doing this? How can I change this? That is the place of wisdom, knowledge, and change, right? So that's where the script gets to be your mentor because it was reflected back to you in your environment. Somebody says, hey, look, you need to change your behavior. You're just not a good person, and we don't want you here unless you change. Yeah. So now that person can think, Am I really a negative person? And if so, where is that coming from? And now all of a sudden they are on a journey, which doesn't have to take long, only willingness to change, and they get the chance to see all of the factors that go into the collection of thoughts and feelings that they have that would result in the kind of behaviors that now they're having to face. And sometimes, you know, back to the record analogy, because I think that was a perfect one, Coach, if I do say so myself. Scrape, scrape. Uh, sometimes a record needs to be broken completely. Sometimes it does. A nudge isn't enough to get you back in tune, right? Th- that's exactly Sometimes right. you got to take that, you know, like some bad bands, you know, you got to mm-hmm. take that sucker and break it on the sidewalk. Yeah. Um, I, and it, to me, it takes a great deal of humility and it takes an ability to lay us, lay ego to the side, yes, especially, does. and I tell people this all the time, if you keep hearing the same thing, it's a repetitive pushback. Mm-hmm from people, then that's probably you. Yes. Even if someone comes and tells me something that I've not heard from others and it's something that may hurt or I immediately feel defensive, I will still take that yeah. and be like, okay, you know, I, I, might, you know, I need to examine why, what am I doing or saying that's making them feel this way? Yep. And, and the subconscious and, and how it plays a role with these scripts the subconscious to me is a computer. You put data in, you get output out. It mm-hmm. it can't reason. It can't um, 
decide whether the data it's receiving is good or bad, mm -hmm. uh, but it can be reprogrammed. You know, mm -hmm. it's that garbage in, garbage out thing mm -hmm. with, you know, computers. You've got bad coding. Mm -hmm. you got to get rid of the bad coding mm -hmm. and get good coding in, uh, which that's part of what we do in our masterminds and mm -hmm. coaching. So uh, we may not necessarily get into the, the how of that. However, it is important to recognize the need for that, right? Absolutely. So as far as the the subconscious coach I would say it's probably ripples and waves right like you've got the undercurrent mm -hmm. of the mental brew mm -hmm. that it's always there and you may not even be aware of it but it's starting to impact your life and people around you but then you have wave mental mm -hmm. brew where all of a sudden it's crashing and you find your life is maybe falling apart can you go into that a little bit yeah, so one of the things that I like to do is describe thought as rhythm. Like, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. Just, yeah, what does that mean? So when we learn any new skill, when we first begin um, the process of learning a new skill, it's, it's interrupted in the beginning. It's kind of like piecemeal. So it's one, two, one, two, three, right? And you keep repeating it until you become much more efficient. So you pick an area, whether you're doing something in an office, whether you're uh, in some sort of like outdoor activity, learning to play the piano, for instance, or something like that. But the more you work on that particular task, mm -hmm. right, you become much more efficient. And then the more efficient you become, then it becomes automatic. When things reach the stage of being automatic where we are no longer having to think about it and we can just perform it like tying our shoes we call that unconscious competence yes. right we yes. it's just it's hardwired mm -hmm. but to get to that point you have to practice that task over and over again until it becomes like rhythm it's automatic yeah. thought is the same way so nobody is anxious or depressed or angry unless they continue to fuel those situations that produce anxiety, depression, or angry thoughts. Once we continue to do that over and over again, now it becomes a part of our makeup. Mm -hmm. And when it becomes a part of our makeup, we meet it in the environment with the other people that we meet. They typically, depending on who they are, they will say something to you about that. It's like, you know, um, are you okay today? And that person will say, well, I'm fine. It's like, really? Because your face doesn't say you're fine. Right. Your face says you look angry or depressed or anxious. And so now the person is like, oh, okay so when you you know i just i, I want to go back though coach yeah, to I something because where you say depression and anxiety even anger has to be fed yes now here's does. a where truth meets mm -hmm. bs moment okay mm -hmm. that we got to target all right yes. so you ready gandalf yes i'm ready Yoda's about to throw you something pass. down you cannot pass <laughs> okay not to in any way make people who feel that they're on medication or have you know mental health mm -hmm. issues that they're working through feel mm -hmm. bad at all. Right. That's not what we're here to do. No. You obviously do this for a living. Yes. And I can instantly hear people say, well, I can't help that I'm depressed. I can't help that I'm anxious. And so when you hear a word that says anxiety or a phrase, anxiety and depression must be fed, what that statement has the potential to do is to be that scratch on that record where it's a nudge saying 
where you felt you were a victim to those emotions, I'm telling you that it has to be fed. Therefore, it's removing excuses. Right. That's, that is a powerful thought that people can either dismiss because they don't believe it or that they can embrace and decide, hey, anxiety and depression must be fed. I'm going to look at how I'm feeding it, right? Absolutely. Now, what do you have to say to those who feel that they are a victim to a chemical, you know, a, a chemical situation, or maybe it's a, a mental process, they don't know they have the power to change. When you say anxiety and depression must be fed, you may ruffle some feathers. Oh, I, I ruffle feathers all the time, but then again, after those feathers have been ruffled, then we smooth them down. Because I will typically give a person an example or an exercise so that they can prove how they are continuing to feed those thoughts that feed the states that they're so in. So mental brew absolutely is exactly what you're referring to. That's exactly because what I'm it's about. feeding that thing and it's getting bigger and bigger. I mean, there's even science that shows the brain's makeup actually changes based on your thoughts. Yeah. So, so from a scientific standpoint so we use the term we say dendrites which are the cells yeah. in the brain so those two cells they come together and then they grow in size mm -hmm. so if you can imagine something that is the size of the head of a sewing needle okay right mm -hmm. so that's the impulse of thought right there okay it has the size of a sewing needle yeah so but, powerful but now it's the size of a thumb okay on an adult, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just a regular thumb. And it's like, wow, that's kind of, or the thumbnail, there you go. Let's say like a thumbnail. And you look at the head of a sewing needle, and then you look at a typical thumbnail on an adult, and you see just how big one is versus the other. Yeah. That is a lot of time thinking about a particular thought. So you could be thinking about a successful adventure. But in this case here, we're saying you're thinking about all the reasons why you're um, depressed or anxious. Most of the time when that occurs, the person is always viewing themselves in some self-limited fashion. Yeah. When they're doing that, they're also putting into place self-limiting experiences in other areas of their life and even filtering those through their negative thoughts right exactly. as evidence exactly so the person that says well I can't find a guy or I can't find a woman that's a real good fit for me well if that's what you think then you're going to continue to find someone that reflects the thought you think and even being blind to the potential opportunity that you may have found a person that would work with you and yet your perception causes you to miss that person absolutely so when we get to that point you know when we're talking about how that thought must be fed it's true every thought everything that we experience is going to take place in some thought form that we carry out in the world. Now, it doesn't matter whether or not if the person has been thinking about the thought so long that it has now become rhythmic or it's automatically there in their subconscious, they no longer pick it up anymore because they're just doing it all the so time. So that's where it's a ripple. Exactly. And then they may experience waves exactly. of overwhelming thought. 
That's right. And the wave is typically going to come in when that thought that's manifested in that person's environment in the form of their behavior, it collides with another form of thought and behavior that says, hey, this is no longer acceptable. So now the person that we used in the example that goes into work, they're not a harmonious person. They cause grief and conflict with others. So they've been rippling along. But today they go into work and they're met with a letter of termination. Yes. Now they have a wave. Now they're thinking about, oh, my life just came crashing down. I no longer have employment at the level that I did. Mm -hmm. So now I need money and I need all of these other things. And it looks like their life is coming to a ruin. But again, it's not. It can mentor. Exactly. It is a mentor and it's asking for change. And this is where you need to cut out any BS. Exactly. You don't blame your employer. That's you right. You don't blame other people. Yep. You don't dismiss what you heard. Exactly. Now, we know like some people, they are mistreated in business, but you know, employment things. But even then, that you still have power. Exactly. So when you're confronted with all of a sudden you got that breaker, right? Mm -hmm. That's you're, you're, you're clashing and all of a sudden you have that letter of termination. And it's now time where those thoughts, that mental brew that led to your demise, mm -hmm. uh, be confronted and changed. Uh, I remember talking to a young man at a, a local market here, and he was mad. And I could, and, you know, I could tell because he was like griping to his coworker while I'm being checked out. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this individual needs to be let go. Yep. And he was mad because he didn't get a promotion. Well, anyway, he uh, normally I just take my own groceries out, but I wanted to get inside his head a little bit to the short amount of time I had, right? Mm -hmm. Because people underestimate the power of a pleasing personality. Exactly. And we were walking to the car, and, and I said, tell me a little bit about this promotion. I said, why didn't you get it? And he said, well, they said I don't smile enough. And I said, well, what I have seen in my experience with you is that not only have you not smiled enough, but you've also complained the entire time I was being checked out. And if you worked for me, I would fire you immediately. <laughs> so the very best thing that you can do right now is learn how to smile. And I told him, I said, now, I'm... I am telling you these things because I understand where you're coming from. I am an introvert who mm -hmm. had to learn to smile. Yep. yep. I understand. Mm -hmm. But you cannot stand and complain the whole time to a coworker in front of a customer and think that you're ever going to be promoted. Absolutely. And those are things that you can change, and you can run day run this store if you get it. Absolutely. Well, guess what I got met with, Coach? BS. Yep. And yep. I thought, well, he ain't going to be there, and guess what? He ain't there. Absolutely. He's been let go. Mm -hmm. There are times where even a stranger walking you to your car can be that point where all of a sudden you got a wave opportunity where you're crashing into something. And wisdom is to hear from the most unlikely sources. That's humility. Exactly. Okay, Coach, because we're, I don't know where we're at here, but I want to make sure uh, that we have opportunity. I want to real quick, before we finish up with our questions. Okay. I want to take it from the employee situation to the employer situation because I got to tell you this, Coach. Every business I've worked with, I'm at 100%, 100%, Coach, where I see unhappy staffs. Mm. It's always the staff in the employer's mind, mm -hmm. but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's either the owner of the business or it's the manager that's making the employees miserable. 
And what happens is they don't have any recourse. Where are they going to go? How do they tell an employer or a manager, you really suck at what you do when it comes to managing people, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is their livelihood. This is how they pay their bills and feed Mm -hmm. their families. And it's like they're stuck. I want to encourage employers and managers to be aware of their mental brew. If they're wondering why their staff is unhappy and hostile, maybe they should quit pointing the finger at their staff and actually look at how are they impacting those around them. Absolutely. When your employees are not giving you the outcome in terms of productivity, which we measure in sales and revenue, if you're not getting what you want, then you have to look, you have to look at your leadership because 90% of the time, I would actually say the percentage is higher than that. If your workplace is not providing for you what you want for it as a leader, then it's a failure in your leadership. And when we start talking about mental brew, we have to be careful. Just because we can start a business and have enough income to run a business doesn't necessarily mean that we have the skill set or the leadership that is required to make that business successful. Yes. And one of the things that business owners can do, they can step back and say, it's like, you know what? I might be really good at this aspect of my company, but this there's another aspect of my company that I'm not good at. I might not actually be good at leading people every single day because that's not my personality type. Mm-hmm. If the individual does not step back and look at themselves with that type of examination, they will continue to have high turnover in their workplace, um, low productivity, stress because they're wondering whether or not if they're going to meet payroll from people that they're not happy with, right? Disengaged employees. Exactly. Two, stepping back and saying, you know what, maybe in this particular case, maybe I get some training for myself so I can find out what I can do to become a much more effective leader, not manager of my business, but leader of my business. And if I discover after that, that's still not my strong suit, then I'm looking for someone that I have harmony with who can also produce or provide a harmonious environment with strong leadership for the employees that I have, which ultimately is going to improve productivity, yeah. revenue, and joy in throughout the entire company. Almost like a buffer, you know. Exactly. Unfortunately, I find a lot of um, in, uh, owners of businesses put managers in place that have no people skills yeah. just because of their numbers or their hard workers. And it's right. very important. I, I'm not big on coddling and babysitting right. employees, but I, I do know what it takes to have happy employees. Mm-hmm. I think the culture code, I don't know if you've read that book, is a really good read for leaders. You can have mm-hmm. those difficult discussions, but it can be done in such a way that those people that work for you know you have their back. If they know mm-hmm. you have their back mm-hmm. and you care about them as individuals, you can have those difficult conversations and it not create problems, right? Absolutely. But I think, you know, a lot of times, owners of businesses are so confident in their ability to lead businesses that sometimes their ego and their confidence can blind them to how they're impacting their staff. And if you do have that high turnover rate and you can see your staff is angry all the time or resistant, Mm -hmm. those are times to ask questions. Absolutely. So making money is one thing. 
Um, being good at what you do in terms of your service is another thing. Leading individuals and fostering high productivity and harmony in your workplace is a different skill altogether. And so many times when people don't recognize that, when we just say, okay, this is the bottom line, right? The bottom line is I need to make this amount of money and I need to get those people working. Mm -hmm. Well, you can take that approach, but if you hire someone who may be good at numbers, but they're not good at leadership and harmony, then your business takes a hit and now you're having to hire more employees. Now you might have to get another manager, but your manager that you hired they may be really good at certain things, but they may not be good at what you need because they're more like you, the owner of the business, than the individual that actually needs to be overseeing your employees on a day. And most people do that, they, Coach. Yeah. They put people that are like them or that they like over their uh, staff, and that's often the worst thing that you can do. And uh, unhappy staff equals unhappy customers and clients because it always filters out. Your mental brew always goes out. Absolutely. So, again, your workplace organization is no different than your body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If your body and your mind are not in harmony with each other, you have some sort of illness. If yeah. your workplace is not harmony, if, it do, if you do not have a harmonious work environment, if your leadership is not strong yet considerate for the different types of employees yeah. you have, you have the same situation, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it can kill businesses. It always kills yeah. businesses. When, when businesses are destroyed, they're really destroyed from what's happening to them internally. Yes. I mean, I said something to... Um, to a lady the other day it's like look when you put together a business plan you can have a great business plan you can have a great model but it's still speculative right mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. terms of what you're going to actually get when that business opens its doors that is where the real success of the business or failure is going to be seen by what's happening internally with you the leader and your employees it will always be a reflection of you it is it's the ultimate mirror so here's a couple questions we went over to, for people to ask themselves. And then mm -hmm. this can apply to your community too. I mean, if you're running a community in a way that is not harmonious, that that city, that town will suffer. Yes, it will. And uh, so one question you said that would be really good to ask is, what are your daily collections of thoughts? You know, what are you thinking about? And I like the phrase how you said collections of thoughts because it is true. Your thoughts are in like these little collections. Yeah. And, uh, and then what is your undercurrent of emotion? You know, a lot of people, well, I'm not emotional. Well, emotion simply means set in motion. Right. It sets everything in your day, your life in motion, right? Right. So asking yourself, what is my undercurrent of emotion? Do I have joy and harmony and peace? Or am I frustrated and hostile and, uh, you know, angry all the time? And then what impact do you see in those you interact with? Um, so coach, sum it up for us. What, you know, what, what do you, how do you want to end today as far as mental brew? So what I would like to say for the listeners today is one, when you look at your life and you get to ask yourself, am I getting from my life what I want? Yeah. All that I want. Yeah. And that's actually the first question because some people might 
shrug and say, well, nobody does. Nope, that's not true. Right. That would be the first BS statement right there, yep. right? We do not subscribe to individuals believing that they cannot have what they want. Yes. So if you're working with the two of us, you have to understand you need to bring all your joy and your hope with you because that's who we are as individuals. Yeah. We firmly ascribe to the fact that you can have exactly what you want because that's the way it's set up for us all. Yes. Now, when you think about the thoughts that you think every day, look at how they are reflected in your behavior towards other people. Mm -hmm. And when you look at those things, you get to ask yourself, do I want to do something differently for my life? Do I want to have a different outcome? Do I want my relationships to be different? Do I want my company, my business, my revenue? If I want all those things to be different, which is to say that I want those things to improve. Yes. Then I have to ask myself, does my thinking foster mm. that improvement? That's good. That opportunity. Yeah. And if the answer to the question is no, then you want to get help. Mm -hmm. Don't delay. There's mm -hmm. no such thing as an ordinary moment. Right. Once you discover that your thinking is not conducive to you having what you want, mm -hmm. reach out right away because there will be someone there who can support you. Right now, you're talking to Sherry Wilson and Greg McNeil. Mm -hmm. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. And our work is to help the entire community this way. Yeah. But ask yourself that question. What do you want? What are you willing to do to have what you want, including examining the thoughts that you think that produce the behaviors in your environment that shapes the outcome that you experience on a daily basis? And Coach, people can look in the show notes, get in contact with us if they want, but you know, really uh, mentoring, uh, you know, there's so many different forms and facets, but I have found that when I find people that, like you said, they bring joy and hope with them, uh, and you need to bring that to your your coaching, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but when you find people to help you, it accelerates change. It does. What could take years can take months, weeks, and sometimes days. That's exactly right. That's exactly right.